What is up, everybody? You're listening in to the Never Skip Egg Day podcast. This week, we close out our Fad Diets and Eating Lifestyle series by talking about the uh, USDA-recommended My Plate for the food pyramid historically, and also talk about how what that means about the 80-20 weekend diet rule. Then I share an end-of-summer recipe and talk a little bit about smoking meat. Stay tuned. What is up, everybody? You're listening in to the Never Skip Egg Day podcast with Brian Castillo. And as I mentioned in the intro, if you're new to the podcast, the last couple of episodes, we have been doing a deep dive into some uh, fad diets, what I like to call fad diets or uh, eating lifestyles, and talking about some of the pros and cons or the uh, health benefits that those could provide and if those are right for you to achieve your performance goals because if you're new to the podcast this podcast is all about health and fitness uh, but I am a big foodie and so we talk about nutrition and how to fuel your body to maximize your performance whatever uh, that may be whether your goals are to just lose some weight to be overall healthier uh, in your day-to-day lifestyle to uh, you know, be an endurance athlete whatever it is Uh, We've got it all here for you. So if you go and listen to the first few episodes, we did a back to basic series where we talked about uh, the holy trinity of macronutrition with proteins, carbs, and fats. We talked about calorie tracking do's and don'ts, meal prepping, uh, and how to start and figure out your baseline with basal metabolic rate. So go and check those out if you want to learn more about those. Uh, So far in our fad diets and eating lifestyle series, we have discussed uh, the paleo diet intermittent fasting, uh, the Whole30 program, Uh, we did keto, uh, and then uh, now we're going to uh, kind of wrap up the series. We'll do kind of a recap episode next week, but we'll wrap up uh, our fad diets and eating lifestyles with, uh, again, the USDA recommended or the Department of Agriculture. So historically in America, it has been uh, known as the food pyramid uh, and that was discontinued a few years back, and now it's called My Plate. But uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the food pyramid scheme, uh, it was basically a pyramid graphic that was broken up into several layers, uh, four layers specifically, but then a couple of the layers were broken into separate parts. So at the base of the pyramid, uh, which is kind of considered the foundation of your diet, uh, as recommended for Americans, if you will, was basically your grains, so your carbohydrates, your breads, your cereals, your rices, and your pastas. And they recommended uh, six to 11 servings of those a week, basically. And then uh, the next tier of the pyramid uh, was your fruits and your vegetables group. So three to five servings of vegetables, two to four servings of fruit. Uh, and, And I take that back, this is on a daily basis. So six to 11 servings of grain in a day, crazy, right? Uh, talk about high carb diet, maybe, depends, right? If you figure out your basal metabolic rate and then you break down your macronutrient uh, percentages, you know, that might be helpful if you're an endurance athlete or something like that and you're burning a lot of calories. But for the everyday kind of office worker like I am as an engineer, uh, I don't know, we can talk about it. But just going off of what the food pyramid uh, that, you know, that I was used to as a kid had recommended. So then as we get closer to the top or the tip of the pyramid, Uh, The next tier is your milk, yogurt, and cheese group, two to three servings, and then your meat, poultry, 
uh, dry beans, eggs, and nuts group, also known as your proteins group. So two to three servings of that per day. Uh, so that's that second layer from the top. And then your uh, tippy top layer was your uh, use sparingly. It's also the smallest section of the pyramid to show you the amount you should be eating in a day, basically, too, from a visual perspective. And that is your fats, oils, and sweets. Uh, so usually you'd see pictures of like cookies or soda or whatever in that. Uh, and then sometimes you'll see a legend with like added sugars or fats. Uh, we'll talk about it in one episode. There has definitely been a concerted effort, and this is documented, the war on saturated fats uh, that took place in the 50s and 60s and where they were basically just trying to introduce uh, sugar as an alternative with uh, you know, corn syrup and things like that. There are obviously some drawbacks with fat, but uh, especially in kind of the USDA and even the MyPlate uh, thing that we'll get into next, uh, fats get a bad rap. And we talked about how you can maximize fats with the ketogenic diet, right? Uh, really, again, uh, like everything that we'll talk about in the recap, stick to whole foods and in this case with the pyramid it's getting at you know trying to give you a recommended daily serving amount of your proteins carbs and fats if you really break it down right and just grains fruits uh, vegetables uh, proteins dairy and then uh, your kind of miscellaneous your not so good for you your highly processed foods your sugary foods your high in uh, saturated fats if you will uh, so that that's the food pyramid. So that graphic has been discontinued and what they have transitioned to, which is still very similar, is what's called uh, your MyPlate. Uh, and so like if you look on uh, the Department of Agriculture website or if you just type into Google uh, USDA MyPlate, that's what will come up and they have a bunch of recommendations for you. But now instead of a pyramid graphic, it is literally a, a figure of a plate and it's broken down into sections of what you should have. The recommended servings though, based on kind of a three meal a day American diet would remain primarily the same based on the food pyramid. So uh, basically the plate itself is broken up into four quadrants. Uh, half of your plate is supposed to be grains and protein. So uh, your grains should be a quarter of your plate. So that'd be an example, like a quarter of your plate would be your rice. Uh, and then your a quarter of your plate should be a protein, like a steak or a chicken. Uh, and then on the other half of your plate, uh, two thirds of your plate should be vegetables, uh, you know, like a broccoli or something like that. And then the other third of your that half should be a fruit, uh, maybe you know half a banana or an apple or something like that. And then it also still recommends a glass of dairy. Uh, I will say that. When they talk about dairy, again, they follow that principle of the, the food pyramid where the goal is to lower the consumption of saturated fats. So when it's talking about dairies like your cheeses or your milk, it's basically recommending you go for a low fat or even a fat free option or lactose free altogether, like the soy version. We could talk about the pros and cons of soy at one point too. Uh, but basically, it's broken down into the same food groups as the pyramid, your fruits, vegetables, grains, protein foods, and dairy. The big difference here is that it doesn't talk about uh, that kind of sliver, the tip of the pyramid. So it's basically recommending you cut that entirely out of your diet in terms of uh, fats and uh, sugars and highly processed foods. 
So uh, I will say I, I like the transition from the pyramid to the plate because it can show you exactly like you can break up your plate like that. I do like that, you know, as we get into the pros anyway, I do like the visual representation approach, even of the pyramid and the, the my plate. But, you know, historically, you wonder why <laughs> Americans are known for obesity and, and fat. And, you know, I've been in that camp. Uh, you know, I think it's, it, they don't really break down the, the nutrient value, right? So it, it recommends servings. Well, servings can mean uh, a lot of different things to various people, right? And based on your, your body output, when we go back to talking about like basal metabolic rate, uh, you know, my body burns a certain amount of calories just even being, just to exist, like we remember. Uh, and that's not gonna be the same that my wife should be eating, right? So I'm six foot one, uh, just under 200 pounds, you know, and I should be burning uh, roughly 1920 calories, like I've told you about just being uh, sedentary, just existing, right? Uh, but, you know, based on this, if I was just looking at it, someone who is five foot eight, and maybe 170 pounds, uh, basically him and I should be or her and I should be eating the same things. And that just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Uh, what if uh, that person is more active than I am? Or what if they're a high performance athlete? They probably need a different breakdown of nutrients than I do. Uh, maybe they do need more carbohydrates, so they need those six to 11 servings of grain. But what if my body performs better on a higher protein or a fat fuel source, as we talked about with the ketogenic diet? So that's what I really don't like. Now, I will say when they're, you know, in generalizing, with the my plate or the food pyramid, it's typically going to be based off of the FDA recommended uh, Food and Drug Administration. For those of you who don't know, but the FDA recommended 2,000 calorie a day diet. So they just, you know, kind of in a general sense of the population, they're basing it on 2,000 calories a day. So what they're saying with my plate or the food pyramid is that out of those 2,000 calories that you're allotting yourself in a day, you should basically eat. X amount of servings, and this is what your plate should look like uh, each time that you do so. So they don't really care what you're eating as long as you're sticking to those food groups and that caloric restraint uh, or constraint for that matter. And if you did so, uh, it could work very well for you, right? It's They are preaching whole foods. They're preaching a variety, making sure that you get uh, all of the benefits from the different food groups, whether that's your vegetables and your leafy greens or your fruits and the dietary fiber that those provide and the energy boost that you can get from your fruits uh, and the natural sugars. And then obviously your protein and how that uh, perform uh, affects, you know, all of the different bodily functions that are necessary and your carbohydrates for fuel, for energy throughout the day. So the, the key concepts uh, are very sound. I just don't like how, you know, how we've talked about some of the other diets and even Mediterranean, this would be the closest to Mediterranean like we talked about last week where um, it's, it's just guidance, right? It's, it's not bound to like Whole30 where very strict, right? You're restricting certain things from your diet to see how they affect your body or uh, the ketogenic diet is specifically uh, designed to uh, basically have your body performing solely on fats and using your excess reserves that you've built up. Uh, and that way you uh, enter that ketosis like we talked about and you 
basically train your body to be on a very low carb diet and use fat as fuel. So um, this one's not telling you what to do necessarily. It's telling you more how to do it and how to uh, make up your plate every day, which I think is pretty cool. I do like the balance that it, at least on its surface, uh, preaches. So I think that's really important too and making sure, again, they're, they're recommending uh, you know, whole foods, which uh, I'm a big fan of. And that's really what we'll talk about in the recap. There's no secret there if you've been listening to these episodes. That is the resonating theme. That is the pattern. Stick to whole foods and you will go very far. Uh, the more packaging, the more processing and things of that nature. And we've talked about kind of the war on processed foods and how even oats are a processed food, but we're, we're not talking about oats, right? We're talking about highly processed foods. And so if you stick to whole foods, uh, you will go far, but we'll, we'll save that for the recap. So that's what I do like about it. I like the visual representation. It's very easy to follow. Uh, if you stick to that caloric restraint, you don't want to calculate your basal metabolic rate or do any of the other things we've talked about and you just want to start somewhere, well, this is probably a good place to start. I actually really like the interpretation of the my plate because it gets you to start thinking about portion sizes. And then when you're ready to take it to the next level, that's when you're starting to weigh out your food. Like we talked about the most important scale you'll ever own uh, and really be conscious about the nutritional value in the amount of food. Uh, one of the famous things you'll see online uh, often uh, what's used as an example is peanut butter. I freaking love peanut butter, right? I like the natural peanut butter where, uh, you know, before the pandemic, you can go to the grocery store and it'll grind your own peanuts or whatever nut of your choice into your nut butter and then you take it home. And I also like the, you know, palm oil, sugary, like Skippy or Jif, right? Like I just, I like peanut butter a lot, uh, but Peanut butter is one of those dangerous foods. So like when we're talking about my plate or food pyramid, what I think one of the drawbacks is, it's like, okay, I'm gonna have a serving of peanut butter. Cool. Well, what is a serving of peanut butter? Okay, well, it says two tablespoons. Cool, well, are you measuring your two tablespoons? Are you weighing that two tablespoons, which is roughly 30 grams? Uh, or are you just eyeballing it and you're having a serving of peanut butter? The problem I say with that is because uh, servings can be very loose if you're just doing it by hand, even if you're fitting it on a plate, right? Because you could stack things on a plate too. Uh, so you might be overindulging if you're not actually measuring out your food or knowing uh, the caloric intake to stay within that constraint. And even then, it doesn't tell you about that constraint. It's just showing you that visual representation of how you should break down each meal. Uh, so you should have another baseline with it, whether that's the 2000 calorie a day diet that they recommend or whether it's what you calculated as your own to uh, you know, achieve your fitness goals and uh, reach your peak performance in whatever endeavors you are trying to achieve. And there are folks out here uh, who should be eating four or 5,000 calories a day, right? And so this might not be for you, but the key concepts are, are cool. And I do like the visual representation. So I'd say the pros, I like that it's easy to follow. I like the visual representation of it. I like that they're promoting whole foods. Uh, the downside or the cons, if you will, with that is that it's, it's very general and broad. It's not specific to the individual and it doesn't necessarily, it, it promotes portion sizes and servings, but it doesn't go into detail about how you should be doing that, right? 
And so I think that's that's my biggest takeaway. The only detail that it gives is obviously the visual representation. So if you stuck to that on a plate, but not all plates are the same sizes either, and right? So going back to our back to the basics, uh, following this, you could end up in a caloric surplus. And if you're trying to lose weight, you're never going to get anywhere. Or you could even be in a deficit uh, for that matter. And then you'll never achieve your performance goals that way. Uh, so to truly dial it in, what, even if you're just trying to maintain, would be a little bit hard with this. And then, you know, like several of the other um, diets we've talked about, if you go on their website and whatnot, they'll break down those food groups and what they recommend. And so my, my other biggest kind of, not problem with it, but the thing where they talk about low fat, low fat, well, low fat doesn't always mean that it's good for you. Like even for example, you could have a low fat yogurt, but it could have 30 grams of sugar in it. So what good does that really do for you? Personally, I prefer, like I would much rather prefer a whole fat Greek yogurt with like 20 grams of protein, maybe seven or nine grams of sugar. That's better for my needs, right? And so that's that's where I don't think they go deep enough with this diet. It's very surface level, level uh, and it's specific to uh, kind of a historic Americanized diet and what they claim is healthy for you. And we there's been a lot of food science, so I'm glad that they updated the graphic from the food pyramid to the MyPlate. I think that is a better representation of how you should eat every day in terms of uh, incorporating the different food groups into your diet and making sure and consciously making sure of that and visually making sure that you're getting all of those at each meal. But again, I, there are some shortcomings, just like every other one of these diets. You know, if you go back and listen to the paleo one, I, I don't see a problem with eating some oats and some dairy, right? And the claim there is that it wasn't during the paleolithic era where those foods were available. Fair enough. Cool. That's why I'm not going to follow paleo my whole life. I know I love the concepts of paleo. Again, going back to the whole foods, and that's why I like this one too. But there are certain again, just take these as guidance, right? And if you stick to the concepts in our back to the basic series and apply the the macro, figure out uh, you know what macronutrient breakdown achieves your peak performance and the number of calories you need in a day to do so then you will go far following whatever guidance or even hybrids of these diets, which is primarily what I do, which leads me to kind of the, the last eating style, if you will, that I'll talk about is the 80-20 uh, diet, or it's also known as the weekend diet. I'm sure you've come across this. It's a pretty popular concept, but basically the, the concept is in the name, right? So 80% of the time, you will eat a healthy regimented diet, meaning you are applying all those concepts we've talked about. Uh, you know exactly how many carbs, proteins, and fats, and how many calories you need to eat in a day 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time is your quote unquote cheat day or cheat meal. Uh, so it doesn't really matter how you break out in the 80-20% if you want to do it by days. That means you have to do it six days out of seven days a week, technically five and a half if you want to do the math exactly to the T of the 80%. But, uh, you know, six of the seven days of the week, you have to be really regimented with whatever your eating lifestyle is to maximize your health and your performance goals. And then uh, if you, if, so that's, that's in days. We've talked about calorie counting. If you wanna look at your bank of calories on a weekly basis, 
and you want to still be in a deficit or you want to break even at the end of the week, uh, then you can choose that. Like maybe, maybe two days a week, I need to go further into a deficit to accommodate, you know, the, the birthday party that I'm going to be doing this weekend, or I have friends coming into town and I want to drink and eat freely with them. And I don't want to worry about those things. That's all well and good. Uh, you could also break it into, so that's calorie bank of 80-20. You could do it days of 80-20. You could do it uh, based on your amount of meals too, right? Uh, what you consider 80-20. So it's just being consciously aware that uh, you still need to live your life, which, what you know, if you go back and listen to the Whole30, which I think is unreasonable in a lot of ways if you followed that for your whole life. Um, because again, I'm a foodie at heart. And I love food. I love uh, quote unquote bad food for you. I, I love indulging sometimes, right? In my favorite uh, quote unquote cheat meals. And I don't want to, you know, that could build harmful relationships with food, which I have had over the years for sure. And you don't want to do that to yourself. So this, is, this rule is designed to basically give yourself some leeway when you want to go off the beaten path of your normal routine. And if you're, again, what I've been talking about in almost every episode, if you're consistent and regimented with it and calculated and you have a plan, then doing that a couple times a week with some cheat meals or having one full cheat day, or uh, maybe you get a little lax on vacation, uh, but you're really awesome 50 out of the 52 weeks of, of a year. You could do it off of a year if you wanted to, right? Any any amount of time or uh or in terms of quantity quantification where we talked about calories that's what the 80 20 rule is all about this this hits home to me specifically uh we have some australian friends coming down to visit us and we're really excited for it and the last time they came to visit uh we obviously wanted to take them to all of our favorite places right aka we're going to eat a lot of quote unquote junk food uh not always all junk food but Primarily over that course, over the course of that week, uh, you know, I would have been, or I was in a caloric surplus, and I'm anticipating that I will be in a caloric surplus now when they come to visit us this week too. And my takeaway from that is, okay, if I'm going to be in a caloric surplus, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm still going to try to make some conscious choices, but guess what? I'm definitely still going to get my workouts in like I normally do with them here or not. Uh, I'm going to be active and pick some uh, active activities with them like hiking or uh, some other physical activities that we can enjoy and still show off uh, the area. And I'm not going to worry about food, but I am going to be consciously aware still of what I'm putting into my body and I'm still going to log it. That way, at the end of the week, when I go back to normal, I can decide what adjustments I need to make. Also, in preparation for this, this last week, uh, my wife and I got a couple of extra walks in with our son uh, to just get the body moving, get some more of those steps in, enjoy uh, kind of the transition of the summer heat here in New Mexico where it's cooling down just a little bit, still in the high 80s and low 90s, but it is cooling down. So enjoying that scenery and getting in an extra workout in this week. While also we chose not to eat out at all this week. We usually eat out once or twice a week and those are our cheat meals. So we cooked all week and we knew exactly what was going into our bodies. We remained in our regular deficits and we're going to enjoy ourselves this week. And we're also going to cook for them too, because guess what? I love cooking. If you haven't figured it out, listen to this podcast already. 
And every meal doesn't have to be a junk food meal either to highlight some of our favorite, uh, more quote unquote healthier or better options to them too. And I know they're big into health and fitness as well. Uh, but we are going to enjoy ourselves. I'm, I'm not a big drinker. I think I've mentioned that uh, on this podcast. I was probably one of the few during the pandemic who drank even less than they did before. Uh, but I'm sure I'll have a few drinks this week. So those are some empty calories. But again, I'm pretty consistent with this stuff all the time. I've told you guys before, like the longest I've gone without working out is five days and that was when my son was born and that's because I was trapped in a hospital room in a COVID unit when my wife had COVID. Uh, and that's the longest span I've gone without a workout in over 10 years now. And so consistency is key. That's what I like about this 80-20 concept is, you know, I'm really considering this week kind of my 20% because 90, I, I like the 90-10, but over 80% of the time, I'm very consistent and regimented with what I'm putting into my body. And I know exactly what I need to do to either maintain my current body mass, uh, be in a deficit to lose some body fat or lose, uh, you know, go down in my body mass. Or if I wanted to bulk up, I would know what to do. And so that's kind of the biggest takeaway. That's what I like about the 80-20 rule because it goes back to the concept of balance and consistency. And that is going to be the key to unlocking anything in terms of your healthy lifestyle goals, your fitness goals, your foodie goals. Your, your cooking skills, it's all about balance, right? And so that's my biggest takeaway with the 80-20 rule is to give yourself some balance and to build a healthy relationship with food, which coming from someone who has not always had a healthy relationship with food, it's so important uh, because food is, is more than just the literal nutrients that go in your body. It, it can be a social experience. It can be a family tradition. It can be uh, a cultural experience, a new experience, a, a core memory for those of you Inside Out or Disney fans like we are. Uh, so there's so much more to food than just fueling our body, but it's very important to know how food fuels your body and how to maximize that relationship, right? And so that's that's my biggest takeaway with 80-20. So that's one that I would definitely give a thumbs up to go out and try uh, while doing all of the key concepts we talked about in terms of calorie tracking and, and figuring out your macro breakdown and your basal metabolic rate. That way you can still plan and prepare for those things. And to, to wrap up every episode, I like to share a recipe. I share it to our Instagram page. So if you haven't done so, go and give that a like and a follow. Uh, but I like to end it with a recipe. It is towards the end of summer. Uh, and I like to keep these around half an hour. So we'll talk about smoking meats uh, next week, which is something I'm, I'm really excited to talk about. And I'll talk about, uh, you know, some of the kind of taboo around smoking meat and why it's like such a good and awesome way, an easy transition to get into cooking. And you really can't screw it up. So we'll talk about that next week. But uh, it is towards the end of summer. I'm talking about balance. I'm talking about having fun with my friends. I have shared a no-churn ice cream recipe on here before. Uh, it was a s'mores recipe, which is very, uh, very relevant when we're talking about summer. But I want to share another one. And this one is actually all about indulgence. Uh, I made this one for my birthday. I like to make a flavor for immediate family members uh, every uh, year for their birthdays. And so they usually get to pick. So this was the last one I made. It was actually for my birthday back in July, uh, but I wanted to share it because it's perfect for summer. It's perfect for kids. 
Uh, and if you uh, if you want to catch some diabetes during a meal, it's probably good for that too, because uh, this one is absolutely a cheat meal and it's to indulge on. But I basically wanted to mimic a cake batter ice cream uh, from Cold Stone. And so what I did was I mixed a quarter cup of uh, Funfetti cake mix, just that you could buy from the store, whatever brand you want, into my no-churn ice cream base, which is a, a can of condensed milk and uh, two cups of heavy whipping cream. So you combine those uh, in a I use a KitchenAid stand mixer, but you could use a hand mixer, or if you really wanted to get a workout in, you could whisk it by hand too until uh, it starts to thicken to the consistency that you would like, and that you incorporate that uh, condensed milk into the whipped cream, and then obviously the cake mix. So it was a cake batter-based ice cream, uh, and then I added in some, you can make your own, but I just was going the lazy route, and I added in some Ben & Jerry's uh, cookie dough mix half peanut butter, half chocolate chip, so edible cookie dough bites. And then I am a big Oreo fan. I love cookies and cream and things like that nature. So to make it even sweeter, uh, I added in uh, a pack of birthday cake Oreos, which I had never tried, which by the way, if you haven't tried them, they're kind of overrated. It was a little over the top. If I did this again, I'd probably use regular Oreos in this base, uh, but it was, all birthday themed, right? So birthday cake Oreos, birthday cake batter ice cream base, uh, and then I'm a big fan of cookie dough ice cream, so I basically combined cookies and cream with a cake batter and a cookie dough uh, creation, and that was my ice cream. And then, of course, I had to top it off with some uh, rainbow sprinkles or some jimmies that people like to call them in the country. So I encourage you to go check it out. Go try a no-return ice cream. I'll share that recipe specifically if that sounds good to you. It's a great way to end your summer with a bang uh, or to make the most out of someone's birthday. So go check it out. And remember, stay hungry and never skip egg day. Thanks, everybody.